Blog Talk Radio. Oh, so I'd love to try that Milwaukee again tonight. Welcome to another Wednesday night sports conversation. We're looking forward to uh, an outstanding show this evening because we have so many things going on in the baseballs all over the 
television tonight as well as the radio. And, of course, the National Football League seat opens tomorrow night with uh, Thursday night special. And, uh, obviously, we have to talk about the Bucks because they're going through training camp now. And nobody knows more about the Bucks than does uh, Roy Cummings, who's going to be with us in just a second. Roger Henry in Atlanta. Tommy uh Tommy T. Tommy is in in uh, Sarasota. No, he's in Tampa. Frank, of course, at the controls as always, and uh, we'll have guests after guests during the course of the night. Let's jump uh, if we're ready to go, Tommy. Uh, let's jump over to, to Roy first, since tomorrow night the Bucks get underway, hey. and uh, it should be an interesting NFL season. Roy, hey Don, Don, before yeah, you go to Roy, and I want to step on your your time, Roman. Um, everybody knows that uh, Saturday is a very important day in the uh, history of the United States. And we want to take a, just take a moment to say we will never forget, we will never forgive, and we, we hope that the families that have gone, we just were at Ground Zero uh, on uh, two, uh, Friday. What a beautiful place it is. I uh, hope everybody mm-hmm. gets a chance to get there to see it. But what a sad, sad thing that so many people lost their lives, as well as the 13 Marines that lost their lives in Afghanistan. This, this, this program is dedicated to those people. Outstanding. Frank, just to, to uh, follow up, because I know that uh, Don and Elaine had been there. Reed and I had been there to Ground Zero. Uh, but um, I saw the, uh, uh, the special on Fox News the other night about Schwenksville, and they had, mm-hmm. um, I think uh, Troy Gowdy had the uh, architect of the um, park and the monument that's out there. I have not been out there. My cousin uh, and my aunt and uncle were telling me about it, and that's also uh, a place that I want to get to, and I would encourage uh, people to, uh, to go to because you're exactly right. I remember exactly where I was uh, when it happened, uh, I got to see it live uh, from uh, the I-78 over by Union, New Jersey, with uh, my boss and a, a coworker, and it's something I'll just never forget. So, uh, but Don, I know you, you and Elaine were there not that long ago, right? Yeah, just a few weeks ago, and uh, in fact, we've been there now twice. And uh, the Shanksville, uh, you're indicating you talked to me about that. Uh, oh, I guess maybe a month or so ago, and I'm with you. Uh, I'm looking forward to get out there to see exactly what they did in, in their commemoration. But uh, it's going to be another, as Frank indicated, another solemn. Uh, not quite the same as they've had each and every year. It's not going to be quite as big uh, as it has been because of, obviously, all the problems uh, surrounding New York City and surrounding America today. So it, it won't be as uh, as big a ceremony as we've seen over the last 20 years so but you're exactly right uh, frank and and roger that uh nobody's ever going to forget it nope never well we'll get on to more positive yeah okay i don't know whether roy's up yet or not is roy with us yeah he's up oh yeah yeah he's always up i'm here okay then well then i said at the top of the show we sort of get started with the bucks and i I think we ought to stay there because nobody knows more about the Bucks that's on this program than you do. You covered it for such a long period of time for the paper. Uh, you see almost every game that's in uh, Tampa as well as some of the games on the road. Um, a lot of speculation, 22 
of the regulars of last year are going to be back, ready to go. And so, Roy, rather than my talk about the Bucks, let's have you talk about them, and what do you think? Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm not sure that we've ever, ever, and, and now, you know, I'm talking about going back to teams like, you know, the, some of the great Cowboys teams uh, that won a couple of Super Bowls, certainly the, the Steelers that won consecutive Super Bowls, some of these teams. I'm not sure we've ever seen a team return 22 starters to its uh, starting lineup. It's, it, just, it just doesn't happen uh, anymore in the, in the free agency era, and the Bucks have that going for them, uh, although they won't have 22 starters um, – uh, on the field for them, those same 22 starters uh, this this Thursday night, tomorrow night. Uh, Jordan Whitehead, uh, one of their starting safeties, uh, is banged up a little bit. He will not be available, but uh, they'll have 21 of those 22, and they feel pretty good about their depth in the secondary, so uh, they should be able to handle that all right, certainly against this Dallas team, uh, which I don't think poses much of a threat. Uh, it could be a little bit tougher, better team uh, later on in the season, but right now you got to think the Buccaneers are uh, still still riding the winds of uh, the, the tailwinds of last season, and uh, rightfully they should. And um, you know what we saw them in the preseason, uh, not much can be made of it. But uh, look, when you got a, a team full, a, a team is so evenly balanced between veteran talent at key positions and young players on the rise and players uh, top level players in their prime. Um, it's hard to find too many teams with, you know, all that going for them, but the Bucks do seem to have it. So, um, you know, look, 17-game season, I could see them win 12, maybe 13 games. I could also see them winning 10 or 11. Um, but the division isn't all that difficult. Uh, they should be able to get to the playoffs, and um, just as they did last year, once they get there, uh, if, if they're healthy and Tom Brady is uh, upright, um, they could be a, a tough team again to uh, to stop. So we'll see how it goes tomorrow. And um, you know, I'm not sure it's a great test of the Bucks tomorrow night, but we'll see how it is. We'll see how it goes. Roger. Uh, you know, Roy, I heard a couple of uh, conversations today on uh, radio, uh, and uh, I'll tell you what. One of the points that I thought was right on: there is nobody, nobody. Uh, that uh, can uh, be, be do what uh, Tom Brady can do uh, with a team trying to follow up to get to the Super Bowl and win another Super Bowl. He's been there and and done it, and uh, so they they feel the the, the prognosticator that uh, I heard was picking the Bucks to be fifteen and two. And uh, I, I heard so much today. You're exactly right. 22 returning starters. I think they're going to be a juggernaut. And, uh, you know, I'd love to hear what uh, Don, Tommy, Frank, you have to say about that. I just think uh, they're going to be unstoppable. And I think that they, uh, they'll win it again. Would not surprise me at all. Roy? Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me either, and I, and I can understand why people would pick him to be 15-2. and two. The difference this year, though, is going to be – and, and look, it wasn't like the Bucks took advantage of this. Uh, they struggled for a good eight to ten weeks last year. Let's not forget that. They struggled to find their mm-hmm. identity, struggled to uh, – Tom Brady struggled to really find his, his comfort zone in, in this offense that uh, the Bruce Arians runs, but I think they've done that now. And uh, they're not going to surprise anybody, but, you know – and I, and I think they did take some teams by surprise 
last year. I, I don't think you go back to that Green Bay game when when all of a sudden, uh, you know, a turnover helps the Bucks, and and the next thing you know, Tom Brady's throwing a a touchdown pass to Scotty Miller, that's basically a dagger in the heart. Um, you know, they're no, no they're not going to surprise anybody that way this year because everybody will be prepared for it. But the one thing that you can say about the Bucks this year that they didn't have last year is, um, and it's tough to repeat. But you know, if anybody knows how to repeat. It's Tom Brady. If anybody knows how to come off a Super Bowl championship, winning the Super Bowl, and staying focused on the task at hand, which is winning yet another one, it's Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. So you've got that going for this team as well. You know, you can always make that argument that, uh, look, they're not going to surprise anybody. It's tough to repeat. That's true. There's no doubt about that. But if anybody's done it, these guys have done it. You know, and they're going to be able just as – Tom Brady was integral in uh, in kind of fashioning the, the mental approach that this team took uh, throughout the playoffs last year where one victory meant nothing because it's like all we do is win one game, guys. We have to win four for this to matter. Um, that same kind of leadership and experience is going to uh, end up playing a, a big Part in, in how the Buccaneers play this season. Um, they're already listening to Tom Brady on, you know, how, how do we go through training camp after winning a Super Bowl? The, you know, I'll never forget, and I know I've told you this before, guys, but I'll never forget that, you know, eight games into the uh, uh, 2003 season after the Bucks won the Super Bowl, uh, or 2002 season after they won the Super Bowl in John Gruden's first year, uh, things were not going well, and uh, we ended up asking Simeon Rice, you know, what happened, and he <laughs> He gave one of the greatest lines of all time. He said, half the guys around here are still waiting for the rest of the confetti to fall down. You won't mm-hmm. have that attitude here with this Buccaneers championship team because Tom Brady won't allow it. Rob Gronkowski won't allow it. I'm not sure Antonio Brown will allow it. Uh, Bruce Arians won't allow it. So um, there is probably not a team in the NFL now. There has been before in New England, but not now is there a team more prepared to defend a championship uh, in every way, mentally, physically, uh, you know, intangible-wise, in the whole bit, than the Buccaneers. Tommy? Uh, Tommy's gone. Oh, Tommy. <laughs> you know, uh, Roy, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, you know, that, that's, a, that's a great point because you're exactly right. And Pat, Pat Kerwin was the one that picked 15-2, uh, and two, and he said that Gronk is going to have a uh, – just like he did in the Super Bowl, it would have a big effect on the uh, season. But I also think uh, a perfect example is the Eagles, because uh, they were three, two, three years later, they're still living on the laurels. Some of the players, I mean, but of course the fans, that's a whole other story. So I, I, I think you're right. That, 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 that cadre there, of the coach uh, and the stars, they will not allow that team to uh, to do anything or be focused on anything but to repeat. No, I don't think they will. One of the things, guys, Roy, the I'd thing like to touch to on. Though, the one thing you have to remember, though, and, and this is real. I mean, look, a lot of things can still go wrong. You know, they could play injuries. Uh, the injuries is the thing. And, look, a year ago, I would have bet, you know, $50 to win 100 that Tom Brady would not have made it through the course of the season, that he would have missed at least one game, maybe two or three, because he was going to get hit and he was going to get hurt. Um, Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. I I had – who in their right minds would have ever 
thought that Rob Gronkowski was going to make it through a full season plus the playoffs without being injured. Can they be that fortunate again? Now, this team can handle some injuries. It could lose a couple of – it could actually, believe it or not, it could lose a guy on the front line. You know, it's already lost Earl Watford. That's going to hurt them a little bit in terms of depth on their offensive line. They could lose um, – they could probably lose a, a defensive end or an edge rusher uh, because Joe Tryon is, uh, looks pretty darn good right now. Um, they could lose a safety, as they already have, and, and Jordan Whitehead for a spell. They could lose a cornerback and probably survive it. But, again, you've got guys here that are, are really pushing it in terms of, uh, you know, how fortunate they are to be playing at this age. Gronkowski's one, Bradley's, uh, Brady's another, Antonio Brown's getting up there. Uh, so is Indomitian Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul. So uh, this team's going to have to obviously stay healthy. But it says, you can say that about any team in the NFL, and that's the one thing that I think could seriously go wrong. I think they have the ability internally to correct any other problem, uh, whether it's just, you know, a, a drop passes, poor play, you know, inefficient blocking, you name it. They've got the ability to correct that in-game over the course of a weekend uh, or a week preparing for another game. I don't think they're afraid of the spotlight. Um, they'll be in it a lot this year. But, uh, again, injuries, it's, you can't predict it. And, again, these guys have been, uh, they've been pushing for a long time on these bodies. And that's the one thing that could go uh, terribly wrong. Uh, but other than that, uh, again, it's a team suited to, to repeat as there is. Roy, well, I agree with you 100% on the uh... – you know, the fact that they have to remain healthy. Every team has to remain healthy for the most part. Uh, but the one thing about uh, the offensive line for Brady is that uh, that really solidified itself over the second half of the season. And I don't think he has nearly the worries that he had when he first came in. He also didn't have nearly the time in the offseason to prepare with the team. So he, as you indicated in the top, uh, he's so familiar with the system now, but he's also very familiar with everybody that's going to be on the field with him. I think the third factor is, at least in my view, is that, first of all, you, you mentioned at the very top of the show, and I think correctly mentioned, uh, they're in a good division. <laughs> I mean, they don't have to win very many games they're just to win the division. I mean, the Saints are, well, you know, they're not going to be the Saints that we knew for so long. The Panthers are trying to regroup uh, and, and see whether Matt Rule can actually make them a legitimate team. The Falcons over-under, I mean, what are they, 4-12 last year? Their over-under is only 7-5. The Saints over-under is uh, 8-5. The Buccaneers over-under is 13-5-14. So, I mean, you're talking about a major, major disparity within the conference, and I think their schedule, I'd like you to address that, I think their schedule is very advantageous to, uh, you know, rolling off a number of consecutive wins. Yeah, I totally agree. Look, they they just don't have any really tough games here. Uh, you know, may, well, they're, they're going to have one or two, you know, they'll play the Chiefs. But uh, they'll have a couple of games that are tough. And you know what? They'll lose a game that they should win. And, and, but they'll also probably win a game or two that they should lose. Um, every team goes through that. Um, but the thing is, the, the, in their division, and maybe even in their conference, guys, they could win mm-hmm. 10 or 11 games. And, and still win the division and, and be and possibly even get a you know a bye in the playoffs. So right. um, mm-hmm. you know that's that's how right now you look at it on paper. And here's the thing: I, I never, I'm, I'm not, not a big fan. I've never been a big fan of looking at the schedule in uh, you know before the season starts and, and predicting. Okay, well they'll, they'll win this game, this game, this game. They'll lose here, they'll lose here. Um, simply because 
you get three weeks into the season, and teams that you thought were going to be good or much better than you know uh, proved to be difficult, or, or, or you know they prove they they struggle, and then you have teams who you think you know that's oh, probably not a tough team. You're not going to have any problems with them. Suddenly become teams that are tough. You know the the Bucks are catching Dallas, but no, let's see what happens with Dallas. I mean Dallas could be a good team by the fifth week of the season. I don't think they're going to be that good tomorrow night. Good enough to beat the Bucks, but I could be wrong. You know that's that's a team that you know may, might come out hot somehow and uh, and build some momentum. And uh, the same could happen. You know who knows? It, it could happen in uh, in Carolina. It could happen in Atlanta. It could happen in Philadelphia. It could happen in a lot of places. Um, but uh, so I've never been a fan of, of playing the schedule that way. But you're right on paper. It just it doesn't look like there's much in the way of this team, um, you know, uh, repeating what it uh, what it did last year. At least in terms of getting to the playoffs, um, it's it's a different you know ball game then, uh, but getting there that, that should not be a diff- difficult chore uh, for these guys. Yeah, I, I just don't think that the the way the schedule not necessarily pick a team that would win or lose because I agree with you 100. percent You can never tell what team. You know, what week they're just not going to uh, show up with the kind of talent that they have. However, I think the distribution of the teams that could beat them, uh, along the, as we look at the schedule, uh, they don't have two or three teams in a row that are, uh, you know, they're not going to play Los Angeles and uh, whatever, blah, 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 two or three teams in a row that have a chance to beat them. Roger, we uh, sort of jumped all over Atlanta last year. We thought they had a chance. We thought, especially in midseason, that they were going to turn around after losing those uh, two or three games that there's no way they should have lost. But right now, Atlanta's not very well, uh, not very well represented. Well, no, then there. I think there's no doubt they're in a rebuild, and uh, uh, you know Matt Ryan's going to be there. Who knows how many uh, more years? I mean, I just can't believe he's been uh, here. You know, since '08. I mean, it just seems like it was yesterday. And uh, but uh, I think that they're on the right track. Uh, uh, Arthur uh, uh, Smith is not a uh, he's he's a focused guy. I mean, he I I haven't seen a lot of uh, uh, you know personality, and he reminds me a lot of Mike Smith. Uh, that um, you know the way uh, Mike was, you know, uh, he you, you'd see him where he'd loosen up, but uh, most of the time it was just. Uh, zeroing in, you know, where, uh, you know, some coaches, I'm thinking about, the, what is it, Dave Campbell, I guess, uh, you know, he said some f- funny things to say, and uh, uh, then, you know, you know, get Nick uh, Seriani with the Eagles, he's uh, unknown, but I guess, I, you know, as I recall, look, I don't have the schedule in front of me, the Bucks do play the Rams, don't they? Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I that's that's one that I think could be a real test for uh, for the Bucks. What do you guys think? I agree with that one hundred percent, Tommy. Let's get you in here for a minute. What's your comment? Well, I think it's going to be a good football season. I think, guys, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, anyway, the Rams, Roger, the Rams are a late afternoon game uh, on the 25th. They're the third game in September. They only play three games in September. Cowboys, Falcons, Rams. And then they get the Patriots, which should be a, a very interesting game. Everybody's looking forward to obviously Brady oh, yeah. getting back there. 
Then it's the Dolphins and the Eagles, which uh, Dolphins could be a little bit better team. The Eagles are a really <clears throat> unknown quantity. And then after that, it's the Saints, which, again, is an unknown quantity with the quarterback chain. So, uh, you know, I think you're right about the Rams. I think they're the toughest team they'll probably play in the first five or six games of the season, Roy. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and you know, something that uh, we haven't even mentioned it really here, and a lot of people do sort of forget about it at times when talking about the Buccaneers, is the defense. You know, this is one of the better scoring defenses in the NFL as well. It was last year, and there's every reason to believe it could be the same this year. This is a team that's got a tremendous amount of just flat-out athletes, you know, great athletic players, uh, certainly in the, in the back seven, the front seven, you know, everywhere. Their linebacker core is as good as there is in the league. Um, guys like Devin White, Levante David, um, these guys are playmakers. And these young players in the secondary – uh, comfortable in the system now as well. This is a team that, you know, even if, if the offense isn't, you know, running uh, all guns uh, on a Sunday afternoon, that defense can shut you down, take the ball away, and score itself. So um, that's the other thing you got to watch about this team is they are very good uh, defensively, really up and coming in that area. And the one area that you're just not sure about, is, uh, is special teams. You know, they, they've struggled at times uh, with kickoff returns a year ago, certainly punt returns. Um, that's an area that, uh, that they, they could have some trouble, but um, it shouldn't be enough to, to, to trip them up. Again, the thing is, uh, this team is just it's just solid throughout. You've got an offense that's as good as there is in the league, could obviously lead the league in scoring, a defense that could do the same. Um, there just doesn't seem to be a weakness. And um, whereas a year ago we thought there might be two or three, uh, some of those weaknesses, the offensive line, the secondary, the running game, all proved to be strengths, and uh, they should be again this year. Well, before we jump out to another division, we all keep a pretty close eye on uh, the NFC East, and it was one of the poorest divisions in football last year. It hasn't made any giant, and I don't mean New York giant, it hasn't made any giant <laughs> forward. I still think right. it's there. And which, why I, I would say, well, 90% of my total lifetime, either the NFC East was the best competitive team in the in the National Football League or close to it, and for the last couple of years, they've been the worst team in the National Football League. So uh, right. I'll let you guys jump on that one. I, I'm really disappointed that they really haven't done very much to improve those teams. Well, oh, I, well, I agree, Don. Go ahead, Yeah, Don, Don I, I agree, too. And before I go leave here, I'll, I'll jump in. Look, it's the one division that I think, okay. to me, it's intriguing because we saw the Giants a year ago start to make some, some moves forward. Um, clearly, the, the Eagles fell back a step or two. The Redskins made some moves forward. I, I like what they could do. This year, Dallas seems to be treading water a little bit. But, you know, there's just something inherent in that division, guys, where every time they play each other, it's like that's a, it's like a playoff game in itself anyway. Right. Uh, no matter who they are, no matter where they are in the standings, you know, the teams can be 2-8. Two and, two and eight. And if uh, the Eagles are playing the Giants and they're both 2-8, and eight, well, they play like they're 8-2 and, and playing for a playoff spot. So we'll right. see how it goes, but I still think I do think the Giants and the Redskins could be formidable opponents this year for anybody that takes them on. I, we'll see what happens with the Eagles. The 
the quarterback situation gets worked out, maybe they can be sustained. I'm not sure about Dallas, but uh, but I do think that uh, Washington is a team to follow. And I think that I like what they're doing in New York with the Giants. Well, listen, we're going to uh, switch gears here, Roy, and switch over to baseball. And appreciate, as always, uh, you being with us. Uh, we got a special uh, guest tonight, uh, and I know you, uh, you know him from his days playing Steve Bedrosian. And, uh, you know, hope you have a great week, Roy, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. And, Sounds uh, good, guys. We'll talk well, football next week. Take care. And okay, have you. a good one. Thanks, Roy. Thank you. Okay, uh, welcome, Steve, uh, to uh, the Wednesday night festivities. And uh, it's a real honor and pleasure uh, to have you, and it was great to talk to you. And, uh, of course, Steve uh, started out with the Atlanta Braves, went to the Phillies, the Giants, wound up uh, his career back with the Braves, lives down in uh, Coweta County, which is south of Atlanta. He's an assistant uh, high school baseball coach. And on top of that, his son was called up by the Phillies last week, and uh, he. This is the uh, third father-son uh, situation that has ever been in uh, on the Phillies uh, roster, and of course the Amaros, the Lighters, and now the Bedrosians. So welcome, Steve, 1987 National League Cy Young Award winner. Thank you, Roger. Yes, Pleasure to be here. Um, Let's get the uh, white elephant out of the room. Yes, I did see Cam's home run he gave up last night, and it was a big <laughs> one. <laughs> it was a long foul, and, you know, Leon Durham of the Cubs hit one off of me like that way back, and that thing still orbits every three and a half days. <laughs> That's, that was on that upper balcony. Yeah, you know what? It's a, you know, Schmitty hit one off me at Fulton County at the launching pad, and it was a wall scrape. I'd rather give oh. up long, far ones. Oh. <laughs> well, you got to be ha- you got to be proud of Cam, Steve. You know, and uh, uh, the uh, to you know have the success, and uh, he's in the majors, twenty nine years old, and uh, you know who knows? I personally think the Braves are going to win it, but. Uh, <laughs> Who knows? I mean, stranger things have happened, and uh, the uh, you know what do you? Well, first of all, I wanted to tell you that uh, I mentioned to Dan Baker that you, know, you may come up to see Cam, and he is looking forward to seeing you uh, if you get up there. Well, Dan's a great man. And we're going to try to, you know, this uh, this virus has taken off again, and we'll we'll play it by ear. We'll see what happens, and uh, maybe we can sneak in for a few games and. Uh, Try to stay out of the way and just uh, sit back, have a hot dog, and watch ball games. But uh, we're proud of Cam. You know, ever since he was drafted by the Angels back in 2010, he was a number one pick out of East Coweta and uh, went through the ranks, uh, went through Tommy John, uh, finally made the big leagues, and uh, we were able to fly down to Houston, see his first big league game, and, and what a thrill that was for uh, his mother and, and his brothers and sisters. And, uh, of course, we still, you know, get there when we can, but we watch every game when we can on TV. And uh, we're real proud of him. He's got, you know, baseball, it's up and down, and uh, you just got to gotta stay even keel, not too high, not too low, and uh, get out there and compete every day. And I think Cam knows how to do that. And uh, he's been doing this for a while. I think they mentioned, I didn't realize that was his 301st game that he pitched in. Uh, when they were in Miami. So, you know, 
the, the thing is, he's lost a little bit of his fastball from a few years ago. He had an injury, and uh, he had to learn to pitch on the fly. And uh, a lot of times when you go from high 90s, 97, 96, um, and then you are all of a sudden 91, 94, you've got to be careful and you've got to be accurate where you put those and stay out of the middle of the plate. And uh, he's done a great job of doing that. He's uh, uh, throwing a split finger now, and uh, that with his breaking ball and fastball, he's uh, hopefully can help the Phillies um, win this division, and it's going to be a dogfight to the end, and we're excited to watch it. Well, you've been through the war so many times. Let's let's talk a little bit about this uh, uh, National League East because it seems to be, it's been since April till now, uh, the team that's going to lose it. I mean, it, they, there's not a team that's going to win it. It's the teams that are going to lose it. I heard have you Crocky ever seen a situation like this where the game when you have the, so uh, many bad teams and you can't get a team to get a string together to win? I know it. I know it. You know, that's why this game's so great. I think they said uh, the Mets led, have led 114 days in first place. And then, uh, you know, they were all in the thick of it. And then it's back and forth with Philly and Atlanta. And, you know, you never know. With a break here or an injury there or something, you never know what can happen. And, um, you know, that's what makes baseball so exciting. I know the fans love it, and it keeps them on the edge. And it's not a snoozer by any means. And uh, no one's 10, 12, 13 games up like some other divisions. And it's going to be interesting right to the end. Tommy. Steve, what was it like in that 87 campaign, uh, you know, when you won the uh, Cy Young? Uh, You know, it had to be just special for you, and I think it was 40 saves that you had that year. Yeah, uh, it was, and uh, it it was a special team. When I I was traded from uh, the Braves to the Phillies, uh, Milt Thompson and I uh, were traded for Ozzie Virgil, and I can't recall who the other player was offhand. But, uh, you know, uh, Bill Giles uh, welcomed me. I got one message. It was Bobby Cox on my answer machine. We were having dinner at Bruce Suter's that night. It was December 6th. It was my birthday. And the answer machine, we got home. It was Bobby Cox saying, we've traded your contract to the Phillies. We appreciate what you did for us. And we wish you luck. Beep. And then it was Bill Giles welcoming me on, this, on the next message. So mm-hmm. we went there and... Uh, uh, 80, 86 was that year, and then, uh, you know, uh, 87 was magical. You know, got to play with Schmitty and Lefty and all those all those guys, um, uh, Darren Dalton, and uh, then Lance Parrish came over. And, um, you know, it just, it just seemed like I started the season really slow. I was one and right. three with up – almost a nine ERA and, 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 you know, the Philly fans, they let me know it and I deserved to know it. I wasn't <laughs> pitching good. And what it seemed like when June rolled around, it started with a line drive to left field. I think Jeff Stone caught it and I got a save and the air came out. I was just relieved that I was able to do something. And then from then on, it was lights out. And that's just, you know, I rode the wave, and uh, the guys put me in situations. Uh, Kent Takalvi was my setup man, and he did a tremendous job. And uh, before you know it, in November, I get the call that I'd won it in one of the closest votes ever. But you Tommy? won it. Don, you remember that, that, that year, don't you, Don? I remember, I remember all those years because I'll tell you, it's an era <laughs> in baseball that uh, – 
uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to live through, and, and uh, I want to get Tommy in here for a question or two. But, uh, Steve, I also have to say that uh, I don't I don't like the game the way it's being played right now. I, I don't like I, – I know that it's great for uh, Sports Center and everything to see a lot of home runs. But I want to see the game played. I want to see a Cardinal game. I want to see it. I want to see the game where people move runners. I mean, every single game you turn it on, you got a guy on second base. Now they even put him on an extra innings. They put him on second base if it's an eighth inning. And uh, I mean, that, that's a, that's not baseball. And and also uh, nine times out of ten, they don't even try to move the guy over. They say, well, if if you're if you're hitting at the uh, if you're the visiting team. It doesn't any good to score a run. You got to score two or three because uh, the other team's got to come in. They're going to score two and win the game. I mean, I I, I can't buy all this stuff. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, it, it the game definitely has changed. Uh, when's the last time you saw a hit and run or or, or right. a, you know a sack fly? I mean, or or uh, you know get the guy over, get him to second with less than two outs, get him to third less than two outs. Uh, it's a game's change, you know. People, people, you know, being a pitcher, people want to see runs. They want to see a 13 to 12 game versus a one nothing game, and uh, unfortunately, it's taken that turn. You know, I don't, I don't want to see too much because Cam's still in the game, and I'm not going to put him in that situation where I embarrass him. But there's some things I like to say too. But I'm going to, I'm going to hold back. And um, I understand, I understand that. that. You know I understand what I'm saying? That. So. Yeah. There's some things with, uh, with, that's they've been going on, and um, uh, maybe they'll get fixed in the future. But right now, I agree with you 100%, and uh, sure do miss that old style game. Right, uh, Steve, Steve. Tommy, let me yes. ask you. You know, go ahead, Tommy. Then I have a question for Steve, hey, Steve about welcome uh, to high program. school. I was a big, thank big you. Ben years, Steve. Big bad years and that, so that's great. But you know, what do you think about pitching in baseball today? I mean the they not they don't go the full innings as everything's on a uh, on the computer this and that what do you think about that in general well that's another uh aspect of the game that's changed i tell you right from the right from the root of it is the pitchers are, are bigger and stronger back in the day when you threw 95 there was a handful of them and you were legit now everybody throws 95 at least and um you know the 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 uh, the guys are bigger, faster, stronger, and so are the hitters. You know they 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 hit the ball a long way. Um, as far as the saber metrics and all that, they try to break it down. I guess everybody's just trying to get an edge. You know, spin rates and and uh, and everything. It's 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 just different. The, the game's advanced, and uh, I don't know. Some people like it, some people don't. Uh, I still I still. Missed the game, and the part I missed the most is the one-on-one pitcher versus batter. But um, the game has changed; uh, it is still evolving, and um, I don't know where it's going next. Roger, Steve, what's it like, uh, you know, coaching uh, high school uh, today? I mean, I used to do uh, American Legion games uh, on the radio, and. I know they used to have American Legion. I was in uh, New Jersey and Fancy, but they right. used to have American Legion here because if you go over to Roswell, which I was yesterday, uh, they've got a beautiful baseball field there at the Roswell, Roswell American Legion. You probably have seen it over the years. And uh, I have. The, yeah. Well, see, growing up in Massachusetts, I, I played American Legion. I went Babe Ruth baseball, Little League Babe Ruth, 
baseball, uh, 13 to 15, 16 to 18 was American Legion, post 122, Methuen, Massachusetts. I still remember. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't coach high school anymore. I did it for 14 years. And then uh, when Cam was drafted, I was on the Board of Education here in Coweta County. I served as chairman the last three, and I coached high school baseball. And when Cam got drafted, I did not want to be not able to see his games when I wanted to and have to abandon that post. So I let both of those go in 2010, and we've been just kind of footloose since and and doing the grandkids and watching kids. i got five children, and and, uh, we just enjoy spending time with all of them. And uh, but I really enjoyed coaching all my all my boys. I actually coached a little softball too with my daughter, and uh, that was that's a completely different bear there. But uh, coaching high school is a lot of fun. I enjoy those young men and watching them grow right in front of you. And uh, you know it's it's a challenge because not everybody's the same. You get some kids that are that are get to that crossroad and they make a bad decision and hopefully you can have an impact on which way they go from there. And uh, baseball is a great platform for them to, you know, make that decision. I'd rather play baseball and they love the game and they make good decisions. And that's what, that's what you, uh, you appreciate is when you see kids that come out on top. Well, Steve, Don, you know, a special guest this segment of the program. And of course we're chatting baseball and, Steve, what a great uh, illustrious career he had himself, and now his son uh, playing with the Philadelphia Phillies. And uh, again, as Roger said at the top of the show, one of father's sons. And I, I, I know uh, one that had to really be proud of, and that was the Boone family, because Ray Boone, first of all, and, and then Bob, and now Aaron and and, and his brother. So uh, it's a great it's a great family experience if you're lucky enough to have children and have that kind of ability. Well, Absolutely. One with four of those, with the four of them, I know they've they're just uh, you know elated to uh, all the way through the whole family. Because I know with two of us, it's uh, it's an honor. I can imagine that that family being a baseball family like they are. Uh, you know, we're so proud. I hadn't realized that we were the third third pair to uh, be be Phillies, and uh, I saw that last night. Well, Steve, night. They, they put said, that up on the screen right away. As soon as yeah, that's, uh, I should, he said uh, they were announcing the games, uh, the game in, uh, and it was in, uh, was it Miami? And they said that Cam's about to make history when he throws this first pitch. And I went, what's right. this all about? And then they said and put on the, uh, up on the graphics that we were the third father-son to play uh, in the Phillies organization. And it's certainly an honor. Phillies are a great organization. I love playing there. And uh, I hope Cam is able to uh, help the team in, in uh, any way he can and, and uh, get them over the line. Steve, one second before I get back to Roger, and that is that uh, another thing that disturbs me uh, about the game a great deal, and that is I, I don't want to see the box. I, I'm not trying to make the umpires look bad. And every time the ball's a little bit off the, off the box right away, oh, he missed a call. And, and I think that's really embarrassing. I, I, I don't think that the box, first of all, I would say that 60%, and you'd be in a better position to answer this than I would be, 60% of the balls that hit the box on the top end, on the top end, are not called strikes. Right. Well, maybe maybe better than 60%. Right. So I think the box is useless. And I wish right. they'd take it down, let the umpires make the calls, 
And then if you want to second guess, it's fine. But the box is not going to help you find out what's better about baseball. Right. Well, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I got to tell you, people say, do you get nervous when you watch your son pitch? And I don't care who you are at what level, you're going to watch your son, you're going to hope he succeeds, and you get a little bit nervous. When you get to the big right. league level, it goes up that much, too. So when I see that box and I see umpires miss those pitches that I think are strikes, the thing that gets me is when the strike zone changes from year to year. Well, we're not going to call oh, yeah. the upper one this year. We're not going to call this one this year. The umpires have to jump around. And, you know, everybody's confused. What's going to be a strike? Is it a high one this year or is it the low one? National League used to be a low strike. American League used to be a high strike. When I watched those Red Sox games back in the 70s, you know, it seemed like the American League was a high strike league and the National League was a low strike league. Well, they said that was uh, because of the chest ago, they said they the, high strike, the, the low strike, we're not going to call that one anymore. It's going to be more high. So pitches adapted. Then they change that and they take that away. It's the moving of the zone, too. The box and, you know, when, you, when you're watching, and it, it just gets you aggravated when you, when you see pitches that they give them and take. And, you know, they say it all comes out in the wash, but as far as I'm concerned, pitchers get it more than hitters. So uh, I, I tend to agree with you. If you're going to put the box, then, you know, use the box to call the strikes. If not, then, you know, get it out of there. I agree with that, with both of you on yes. that, I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I'm, and Tommy, hey, you Steve. agree with it, too. Yes, yeah, Steve, what's your best favorite memory in baseball? I'm sorry, say that again. What's your favorite memory in baseball with the Braves probably playing every day in the Superstation? Did you have a, you know, what do you think of Chip Carey and, you know, his dad, you know, announcing Atlanta Braves baseball? I remember you coming out to making all those saves against the Phillies and then you being on the Superstation every week. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Ted Turner was a great owner. He would come down the locker room all the time and give us pep talks. And, uh, you know, we finally turned the Braves organization around. It was 1982. We started the year Mm -hmm. 13-0. And Mm -hmm. um, we ended up winning the division by losing to the Padres on the last game of the season. (laughs) Joe Morgan hit that home run off Terry Forster Mm -hmm. that propelled us to win the division. Uh, but so many great memories on all the teams, being in Minnesota, winning the World Series, uh, uh, Philly, uh, you know, uh, San Francisco, the Earthquake right. World Series. Uh, That's right. Just, you know, so, I mean, you know, and then finishing again with Atlanta. Um, a lot of great guys on all the teams, and uh, right. it's hard to point out anyone special with the birth of your children and, and uh, you know, Cody. Which another thing I like to talk about, my son Cody, who had acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and he was two years old. He's 33 now, and he's doing great. Oh, but I really wonderful. appreciate what uh, Bryce Harper and the Phillies and Major League Baseball are doing for pediatric cancer. I really am just tickled to hear that. Cameron was uh, Cody's bone marrow donor. When uh, Cameron oh, really? was born during the 91 World Series, you know, when he was two years old, that's when his brother Cody was diagnosed with ALL. And uh, he went through uh, three years of chemo, a regimen of chemo, and he relapsed. And when he relapsed, mm-hmm. he went down from a 90% cure rate to a 15% cure rate. So we were devastated, wow. and they said he's going to need a bone marrow transplant. And we were blessed with not only one carbon copy donor, but with two, my son Cody mm-hmm. 
and my oldest mm-hmm. son, Kyle, were carbon copy wow. matches. But Cameron, wow. being the younger uh, boy, he had better T cells, and they didn't need as much. And he went under, and they uh, harvested bone marrow for him, ended up saving his brother's life. Oh, and I saw so we've been through that. We've been what through it. I know what those kids is. are going through. And when I saw uh, Harp wearing those shoes the other night and what they're doing for kids and cancer, it just it hits home. Wow, that's fantastic. That is a, a fantastic story, and, and uh, it just shows you uh, that uh, what can be done today and power of prayer and everything else. What, what that is say? so true, the that's power right. of prayer. We had people, I, that's the first thing I did. I went to the press when Cody was diagnosed, when we were San Fran. We thought it was either pediatric um, arthritis or a cancer. And when the oncologist told us that he had acute lymphoblastic leukemia, the first thing I did, I went to the press, and I said, we need prayers from the people. And it went all around the world. I'm not kidding. We got prayer shawls from nuns in Europe. We got um, uh, prayer stones that you rub from Ireland. And just people, everywhere we went, we saw Cody Bears. We raised money. Mm -hmm. And uh, the late, great Phil Necro was the chairman of the uh, 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 Leukemia Foundation here in Atlanta, and uh, we did several golf tournaments at that uh, Atlanta Country Club. And Mm -hmm. um, so we we just, that hits home for us. And, uh, yeah, it used to be cancer was a a death sentence for a lot of kids. They've come so far, they have a long way to go. But kids have a chance now because of people that – donate and give their money and time and bone marrow. And you know what? When Tommy Aaron had leukemia, we had a bone marrow drive in our, in our locker room. And everybody thought, well, I'm not his blood type. You don't have to be. You don't have to be the same mm-hmm. blood type to donate. And uh, right. Kyle and Cody were both different blood types, but they had carbon copy marrow. A lot of people think, well, I'm not his blood type. I'm no good. You never know who you might match with. Well, Steve, right. it's, true. it's yeah, a tremendous story and a tremendous uh, segment with us on the, on the program. And I want to thank Roger for winding everything up with you, and I hope you'll come back and rejoin us again. Uh, when we talk about baseball, we get closer to the playoffs and, more importantly, to the World Series. But thank you very, very much. Thanks, guys. Pleasure talking with you. Boy, I haven't been on the radio in a long time. It's been, you know, I've been retired 25 years, and, uh, uh it, it's good to talk to you guys and talk baseball and go Phillies. Right. Well, That's I'll right. be in touch, Steve, because I get down to uh, Coweta County, so I look forward to getting together with you. Thanks, buddy. Okay, take Appreciate care. You. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks, man. See you guys. Okay. Bye-bye. Don? Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Tommy? Did we lose Don? For some reason, so. he, was in a, he came in on two lines. Now the second line is down. Uh-oh. I'm sorry. Let me get let me get off the line so Don can come on, okay? No, that's fine. Okay. No, I don't Don, think it's that. He came in on two lines. Oh, Frank, let and me that, get off oh, the line. So can... And now it's down. Uh, is, who's up with now? Billy. Billy. Oh, okay. Billy Wendell. Okay. Billy, the uh, there was a guy that you uh, uh, covered a lot back in the '80s, Steve Pedrosian. We just had one. Yeah, he was very, very good. And, you know, of course, the Phillies called up his son in the last couple of weeks, and uh, 
you know, I remember Fed Rock when he had that 40-save season when the Cy Young, it was a bright spot on that team, which was not going very far. But, um, yeah, that was a very, very heartwarming story. And, you know, yes, Steve Bogosian's been through a lot, and he really appreciates it. Oh, he's a great, uh, great guy. Well, Bill, uh, the uh, Eagles-Falcons are going to uh, kick it off on Sunday, 1 o'clock at uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Uh, your uh, prognosis uh, for the season for the Eagles, because you're going to be there with uh, Merle Reese and Mike Quick doing all the broadcast. Well, I, I just look at this team. I don't know enough about this team because they showed nothing in the exhibition season. So you really don't have a flavor of what they're going to do. So, I mean, I'll, again, you have to look at a first-year head coach who's never called plays in his career, and, you know, what is going to happen when he's under fire? I mean, the first week, Arthur Smith of the Atlanta Falcons, a rookie head coach as well. You know, Eagles, I think, have the firepower, but the big problem is on the defensive side, especially the secondary. There's a lot of question marks about the secondary going forward, and the secondary's got to hold up. But that's also incumbent upon the defense, who will rotate eight guys in every game and put a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And I think you'll see Jonathan Gannon use more blitzes than Jim Schwartz ever used in his tenure here as the defensive coordinator. (laughs) Billy, I'm I'm sorry the line dropped out there for a minute, So, uh, but I want to just say I appreciate every time you come out with us. It's really a great honor to have you on. and. And when you when you talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, they are as big a question mark as you just indicated. I only heard the last half of your uh, comment there, but uh, you know they're now picking Washington, Cowboys, Giants, and then the Eagles. Uh, they don't expect the Eagles to win more than four or top five games. Do you agree with that? No, I think the Eagles could win six or seven. Uh, I mean, they're not a very good team. Again, there's a lot of question marks on this team. We don't know how the New coach is going to react over under fire. That's going to be very interesting. And, and again, there's a lot of question marks. Is the quarterback going to progress? Uh, is Devontae Smith everything he's uh, built up to be? I mean, there's a lot of question marks about this team going forward because we don't have a feel because during the exhibition season, we didn't see anything. So, you know, I, I expect the Eagles to bring out a very high-powered offense. Now, that's all incumbent upon their offensive line staying healthy. Remember, last year they had 14 different offensive line combinations in a 16-game schedule, and that is not good for continuity. Well, Lance, Lance Johnson is one of the few people that they still have uh, was a you know Pro Bowl player. How is the offensive line as you look up and down from left to right? Well, you mentioned Lane Johnson. You mentioned Brandon Brooks. You mentioned uh, Jason Kelsey. You mentioned Jordan Mailata and uh, Isaac Ciamalo. The big question is, can these guys stay healthy for a 17-game schedule? That is the big, big question mark right now looming over the Philadelphia Eagles. Can these guys, can the Eagles get a full season out of all these guys? Uh, you know, they can't keep going back to patchwork offensive line because that'll be detrimental to the development of a young quarterback like Jalen Hurts. Roger? 
Yeah, it was interesting uh, today, uh, Bill, that uh, on Sirius XM, Doug Peterson was on with, uh, you know, his buddy Brett, and uh, he gave a lot of insight about, uh, you know, what happened. I mean, he can only talk so much, uh, but about the team and uh, what he was looking at, about a young team uh, that he thought was, uh, you know, going to develop, but... uh, the, I, you know, you just you. I'm with you. I mean, uh, Sirianni has never called plays. Uh, at least Arthur Smith was the offensive coordinator calling the plays, and that's how I think he got the job with Atlanta. Uh, was because of that, and that offense uh, was with Tennessee, right? You agree with that? Absolutely. And, and Arthur Smith was a, uh, I believe, he was the leading candidate for the Eagles' job. But I think some things fell through the cracks as far as uh, as far as uh, as uh, Smith was concerned. And I think the one thing that he was concerned about how much input was Howie Roseman going to have right. with personnel, and I right, think that right. was a big, big cause for concern. How much input Howie Roseman would have going forward with personnel. I, I think this is the danger with Howie Roseman. Is is he going to meddle with his young coach? Or is he going to let the coach make decisions? Remember, these, these coaches are with the players 24-7 almost. And Howie is just there at practice. He's not in the meeting rooms and all that. So I, I just concern myself with how much input Howie Roseman is going to have as far as decisions, as far as game day roster, and who's on the 53-man roster? Well, Bill, how much confidence do you have in a quarterback situation? Because not only were they really up against it at the end of last year making decisions, Wentz, of course, they, they've gotten all the difficulty with him, and then they got rid of Wentz. But, and then all when exhibition season, they said, well, we really don't, we don't really know if we have a quarterback. We want him. I mean, holy smokes, they created all the problems last year. Don't you think they settle on what they're going to do and, and not have a you know indecision going into the season? Well, Hertz has been given the starting job. How long does Hertz keep the job? I That's think if the they question. Run, That's what I'm asking you. How long? You can't have somebody in the well, back of his mind saying, "Well, I'm going to play, but I may be taken out next week." No, you can't do that. And they they made that trade for Garden Minshew. Now that Minshew is a little bit more athletic or a lot more athletic than Joe Flacco. So consequently, right. if something happens to Hurts, they can still run the offense. I think they'll right. run a lot of RPOs, run pass option plays. I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think the Eagles are going to make it an, a considered effort to run the ball a little bit more to keep their defense fresh and keep the offense in a certain rhythm. I think the throwing the ball all, the, all over the lot 40, 45 times a game is not productive. Roger? Bill, I agree with you 100%. I'll tell you who I'm really interested in uh, seeing on Sunday, and that's Kyle Pitts, uh, the tight end uh, first-round draft pick of the Falcons. Local uh, local young man, uh, Archbishop Wood in, in Abington High School. And, uh, you know, what's, what's your opinion of that young man? Because there were people, quote-unquote experts, that said, he was the best player in the entire draft. What do you think? I agree with him. I mean, Kyle Pitts is a tight end slash wide receiver. I mean, he's six foot five, two hundred fifty five pounds. 
He plays like a wide receiver. He has an intensity of a tight end. So he's going to be a matchup nightmare on Sunday afternoon for the Eagles. Even though this is his first regular season game, I think he creates so many problems. He has good speed. He's got tremendous strength. I think this guy will be a great, great player in Atlanta. And, you know, a guy like that will cause defenses a lot of angst. Mm-hmm. Bill, within the uh, within the conference and the division, uh, McCarthy really struggled last last year. Not only uh, in I think managing games, but also in keeping personnel healthy and on the field. So, uh, how do you think the Dallas Cowboys go in, and do they have a quarterback? Can uh, Dak really come back and be a quarterback starting with game number one tomorrow night? I, I think he can. I think he can be a, a factor. I think. This division, nine games could win the NFC East because it's not a strong division. There's a lot of question marks with every team, from the Eagles to the Giants to the Washington team and the Dallas Cowboys. So this division is there for the taking. Is Tommy with us? Is he still here? Yes, I am right here. Billy, how are you doing? A long drive from Tampa to Avalon because a dear friend of mine's son's getting married this weekend, so... I'm up in up in Eagle Country right now, so which is good. But the thing about that is, I mean, uh, you know, everybody says this is only preseason. These people right now are judging the Eagles so bad. You gotta wait till you gotta wait till half the season's over. Then you judge your team. Why do you judge your team in the first four weeks? Look at the, you know, you look at the Bucks years ago. They were three and one, and with Benny Testaverde, they lost at the house. Look at all the things like that. You don't judge a football team. You don't judge a football team now. You judge them after the halfway point, the good and the bad. That's what you do. I mean, you just let them play the game. Am I right? Well, exactly. And remember, the first four weeks of the regular season now is basically the first four weeks of the exhibition season. I agree with you on that. That's right. But, you know, you you, you have to find out. You have to find out the pulse of the team. Is this team willing to, to go the extra mile? You just look at Tampa Bay. Last year they were seven and five. Mm-hmm. From that point right. on, they were undefeated right. and won the Super Bowl. So again, right. you know, but hey, you Billy, have Billy, to Billy, be Billy, above Billy, five hundred. Hey Billy, could you say hello to Mike quick for me? Tell him I'm saying the next that's your friend's house for the wedding on on this weekend. Could you tell him that when you see him? I will see him Sunday. Mike Quick's a good man, a great analyst. I'm telling you, he's one of the top analysts in right. football, and he can break down the game as well as anybody. That was a great job. You're right about that. that. Oh. Roger, you're up. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the, the NL East in baseball, Bill. Phillies are down 2-1 to uh, Milwaukee now, and, uh, you know, I personally think the uh, Braves are the strongest team, but uh, the Mets, Don was talking about it earlier, uh, the Mets uh, seem to have rebounded. Uh, do you think that uh, the Phillies have any chance in in uh, winning the NL East? I don't think I, I think Atlanta will win the division, but the thing is the wild card. The Padres have a meat grinder schedule. The Cardinals have mm-hmm. a meat grinder schedule. The Phillies only play six games against teams with a 500 or better record. The rest is slop hollow mode. The Pittsburgh right. Pirates. Baltimore Orioles, mm. the Miami Marlins, uh, the, the Colorado Rockies, who are uh, an interesting team, 
but away from Coors Field, they're a different animal entirely. But you just right. look. The Phillies, could, if they go 12-6 and six against the bad teams and split with the good teams, they could get in with 86 wins and they could secure that second wild card. But the problem is you're going to either face the Giants or the, or the Dodgers in the first round, and that's a daunting task. Man, they oh, took absolutely. a real step backward last night. With uh, you, you really thought with their number one pitcher. I mean, I'm going to take anything away from Wheeler, but uh, with their number one pitcher on the mound, and uh, you know, you, you figure they're in great shape to make a, a strong move, and it just didn't happen last night. Defensively, they were terrible. That, that, that they've been and terrible they all been. year defensively. Yeah, right. And here, 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 here's the other problem. Please, Don, don't call Nola a number one pitcher. Right. I had Amen. I had Ruben Amaro on today, and he said when we scouted him, we thought he'd be a good two and possibly three. He's not okay. the ace of anybody's staff. <laughs> he is not an ace. He, I don't think he has the makeup to be that number one guy like we or other players. Uh, pitchers across baseball. Well, he's well. Ruben Amaro knows a, a lot more than we do. Go ahead, Roger. <laughs> yeah, well, he he you know he, he said that he doesn't want to hear anything about the, his September record in the past, and uh, he didn't get off to a very good start last night for this September. Well, when guys say that, that's a big excuse, and that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you something. If you're a big time pitcher. You want to step it up in September, especially right. when you're in the, the, uh, the midst of the pennant race. And if you talk, I don't want to hear about September. Won't well, go out and prove that you are a September pitcher. Not complain right. about. I don't want to hear anything about that. That's an immature comment from Aaron Nola. Bill, what did what did Ruben have to say today? Last night he was very critical, and uh, certainly. Um, Truck was very critical in the post-game interviews last night that uh, he just has lost his fastball. He's lost his confidence in the fastball. It's, it's not a 95-94 fastball to begin with. It's 90-91. But he's almost completely lost confidence in the fastball, and he had not got that good a breaking ball that he's going to overpower people with it. The location is very important for him. The great right. Greg Maddox threw it 89-91. But location was the key thing with Maddox. Nola's got to look at Maddox and say, I've got to be that type of pitcher. Not, not, not many pitchers are Greg Maddox, but he's got to look at film of Greg Maddox and say, that's the way I have to pitch. In and out, up and down, move the ball around, but locate the fastball. That is his big problem. Absolutely. Roger, we'll let you wind this segment up. Go ahead. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought up about uh, Ruben because he was on uh, WIP this morning and uh, Howie Roseman was on uh, at the same, you know, as a uh, guest and that was interesting. But uh, do you think uh, uh, Ruben will get back into baseball in uh, the uh, front office, Bill? I hope he does. I, I think he's a very knowledgeable guy. He, he, he took mm-hmm. a lot of heat, and I was one of the guys that put heat on him. But I think when you talk to Ruben, he really has a game plan. The one problem, he didn't accept analytics. And you got to accept analytics to a certain extent, but not overboard right. like the Phillies have. They've gone completely on the analytics department. Many clubs are going that way. And I think maybe we have to rein it in a little bit 
and you're back the way baseball's been played for 120 years. Mm-hmm. Really, I, hey, man, uh, I last agree. Last but not least, do you think when he said Roger said getting back in, does he want to get back in and manage it? Because he went to the Red Sox as a coach, as you know. And he came, but does he want to be on the field, or does he want to be in the front office? I think he's better served in the front office. He's an administrator. Oh, yeah, I do, too. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah. that, 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 is his, that is his strong suit, gentlemen. All right. Let's wind it up there. Billy, thank you very, very much. Thank you, Billy. Have a Appreciate great day. Are you going to be a, Thanks, uh, tomorrow? Are you going to be doing the uh, with Burl? Are you going to be doing the game tomorrow night? No, the the game is Sunday, Don. Are you going to be down here, Bill, on Sunday? I will be down at the in link. Atlanta. No, oh, I'll you'll be at, be the, at link. the link. Is that We're where they're the going to? Do? They're not going to be on the road. No, not right now. Nope. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Bill. Right. Really appreciate it. Bill, Look forward to the next up in. Thank Not a problem. So Thanks, Donovan. As always. Gentlemen, bye-bye. Take care. All right. Mike Fimzak is on the line right now. And surprisingly, uh, as we look at the uh, prognosticators, as Roger likes to say, they seem to think that the Washington Football Club is the leading candidate to win the AFC East. <laughs> uh, let's see what Mike has to say. He's in Washington. And uh, what do you got? Don, I'm going to have a little fun with you. Just because you said AFC, not NFC East. Yeah, they may be the favorites to win the AFC East, but they're not the favorites to win the NFC East. And that's the division they have to play. True, right on the nose, my boy. Um, no, you know, I, I, I think that uh, there are a lot of things going on where, where, uh, People, prognosticators, pundits, analysts are looking at the uh, Washington football team and saying, you know, based on the quality of the teams around them, where they are and where they, where they were last year and the improvements that they made, that they are among the favorites, the favorites if, uh, among the favorites, if not the favorites to win. And I think that it is as much about the improvements that Washington made as it is a, a reflection of where people see the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Eagles. And it could be, again, that the NFC East is basically a division that's won by attrition. You know, the least bad team wins, not necessarily the best team. When you look at Washington, you know, this is a team that last year had a pretty decent defense. Um, maybe, you know, mid to high, above average defense that with the addition of William Jackson, the cornerback, and Jamin Davis at linebacker, and an additional year for Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, uh, you say, okay, well, in a healthy landing Collins, you say, okay, well, this, this defense at least could take a step forward from, you know, fairly decent to pretty good and they would have a playoff caliber, you know, contending caliber unit on defense, right? And then you look at the offense, and you said, well, last year one of the biggest issues was any sort of quarterback play. When they got any kind of quarterback play, and most of that came from Alex Smith, they won games. So uh, Ryan Fitzgerald may not be – or 
Fitzpatrick may not be the guy they wanted, but that's the guy they got. He will definitely win that game. He, he, he will help them win a couple of games. I think the downside of him after 17 years is you know he's also going to, you know, he may lose you a couple of games. He will, we expect him to be better than the collective of, you know, Keenan Allen, uh, Dwayne Haskins, Taylor Heineke, and Alex Smith. You know, they're looking at him as being one guy who they, they believe can go in and start 17 games for him. Um, so I can, I can certainly understand why a lot of people would look at the Washington football team and say, you know, in, the, in, the, in that division, they look like the best team. There's a lot of question marks with Dallas. We still haven't figured out what the Giants are. And, you know, as much as I hate to admit it, I don't expect a whole lot from the Eagles this year. Roger? Well, yeah, you know, it's interesting, Mike. Uh, a lot of people do. And, uh, and, and I, but I would say 50% don't, just like you. I don't expect much. But I'll be surprised. If they uh, could win six, like Bill said, win six, seven games, and, uh, you know, of course, with a 17-game season now, uh, you you know, it's going to be uh, eight without ties, eight and nine or nine and eight. But, the uh, you know, I, I think the there's the unknown with just about uh, – with all four teams. And I do think that uh, Washington uh, does have the uh, the lead because – of uh, the stability with a coach, whereas the Eagles have a rookie coach, the Giants, uh, and, you know, and, of course, uh, the uh, Cowboys, they have, and the Washington, they've got the two coaches with the most seniority and the success. So I, I think it's between those two. What yeah, do you think? I agree with you. I just think right now, at least on the football side of the operation, Ronald Rivera's come in, he's put a stamp on it. He, They've got good minds in there getting together and they're doing their job um i will say though i don't know how much you take away from the preseason but the starting offense for the washington football team looked putrid they did not score a touchdown the entire preseason i don't know what that means but i know that they did not look good and they're going in, but even now they're going in. They've got the Chargers coming in on Sunday, and it's basically a pick'em game. Mike, I was just going to say to you, uh, you know, you're talking about Sunday in the Chargers, and uh, right now Washington is over under is eight point five, a little right around what what the Roger just indicated. But uh, they got the Chargers, then they get the Giants, but then they get the Bills. I mean, there is to me, Washington's schedule is not advantageous to Washington. Because then they go, then they are at the Falcons, they play the Saints, the Chiefs, the Packers, and the Broncos. Bing, 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 Bing! Five weeks. You better be ready to play for those five teams. Donna, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And Ron said one of the reasons why he wanted to get a veteran quarterback in was because he knew who was coming in, who they were going to play. Right yeah. now, they do catch some breaks. Like, yeah, we know they have to play those teams, but some of them come at times that are a little bit advantageous. For example, you know, you talked about them having to play the Bills. We knew they were going to have to play the Bills. We knew that they were going to play away at the Bills. Would you, much rather, would you rather play the Bills in October or January? 
Right. Well, I don't like, but I don't, you've got, you got to pay him up there. you got to play him in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to play him in Buffalo, but if you've got to go up there, I'd much rather do it in early October than late well, I'll agree with that. Then, and then they got the bucket, yeah. they got the Buccaneers the first first week of November. I mean, they don't. They have a tough schedule. They do, and that's the nature of the first place schedule. You know, they were the first place team in the division last year. When you play the first, when you win the division, you get the first place schedule. That schedule is going right. to be a lot different than the one that they played last year. Right. And again, that's reflecting on and the eight and a half over under for the Redskins is right because if you ask me a flat number, and I'm, I promise you, I would have said this before you said eight and a half. When Roger was talking, I would have said nine. I, I would have given them nine. I would have said okay. nine. They're about a not. They're about, you know, eight and nine, nine and eight. You know, depending on where it goes, ten and seven, type team, right? So eight and a half. You know, that's why they build those big buildings out in Vegas because those guys don't get a whole <laughs> lot wrong. Right. So I think well, eight you and a half is nailed on. Well, you know what's interesting, uh, guys, is that uh, I believe the Eagles do not fly the last eight weeks of the season. It's the six or eight weeks. Isn't that amazing? I did see that where the Eagles don't have to get on a plane once the weather changes. Yeah, for eight weeks or or whatever. I think it's seven, six, seven, eight weeks. But you're talking about a big well, if chunk start, of the if you start with, uh, If you start with the with – the, uh, uh, let's see. You've got, you got the Saints. you got the Saints at home. Uh, then you you got the Giants, which is a bus trip. That's nothing. you got the Jets, which is a bus trip. Uh, you got, yeah, you're at the Jets. Uh, yeah. You then you get the bye week, then you got Washington, then you got the Giants. So you're right, Roger. They got they got five or six games in a row where they don't have to go anywhere. Yeah, which is amazing. And the other thing you also um, got to understand, though, is you know depending on where the uh, the football team is at that point in time, by the time they play down here, um, that could be an Eagles home game. You know, yeah, we yeah. we still don't know um, what. Let's just say that although they have announced something that resembles a sellout for Sunday, if you look on StubHub, good seats are still available and available very very cheap. <laughs> well, well, you know, I've I've been saying for a long time. Okay, and I don't think it's uh, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, the results of the attendance this weekend. The, uh, the I I predict that there will be a uh, I'm not saying it's going to be 10 percent. That's what uh, some experts say that the uh, seating uh, for games will be forget COVID will be 10 percent less because of uh, a rebellion, so to speak, against a lot of the uh, social issues and the stance that's been taken by, uh, you know, players, the league, and things like that. So I think it'll be very interesting to see as the season gets underway exactly what, you know, what happens. But uh, I, th- I th- the other thing is I think that the uh, uh, from what I saw, and you guys may know more than me, uh, isn't that Saints' first game now uh, going to be in Jacksonville? Yes, you're correct. It's going to be in Jacksonville. 
Yeah, yeah, they moved it to a uh, uh, a, a a site that uh, you know was even, you know, uh, because of uh, the the condition in uh, New Orleans and seeing that right. on TV today. I mean, it's bad. It's bad. I mean, look at look at the suburban Philadelphia in Amboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and uh, I hear more and more uh, people, and I was talking to a good friend of mine who's a friend of Don's, too, and uh, I, I look at Mullica Hill, and uh, I think I told you, Don, that uh, Tom Williams told me that Sam Carcitti's house got wiped out in two cars. Yeah, that's he, where the, that's where the tornado Mullica Hill. Mullica Hill, that's the tornado came right down. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then it, and and you look at Upper Dublin High School. You're familiar with these places, Mike, because you're you know from the yes. area. Upper Dublin yes. High School. Uh, that's where my cousins went to school. The uh, roof got torn off, and uh, there were sections that wound up in backyards miles away. And then, if you ever saw the pictures and and the video of Vine Street. And uh, the where the the Schuylkill just went, and people were diving off of the overpasses into the uh, muddy, dirty, filthy water on Vine Street. And uh, there's an idiot born every day, I guess, is the only way to describe that. But I, it's just amazing the uh, result of the uh, storm uh, in the Philadelphia area that you know from the tornadoes. My yeah, uncle said six of them touched down. Yeah, we got very fortunate in this area that it really just missed us. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of went north and west and, and cut across Frederick County and Howard County. And I guess if you talk to Doug up in Baltimore tonight, he might tell you a little bit different. But where I am in Silver Spring, it just kind of went right past us. We had some bad rain and some wind, but other than that, nothing major. But I was talking to uh, a friend of mine who do, down in New Orleans, and his power was out for seven, for a week in Louisiana in the middle of yeah. late, late August, early September. I mean, you know, what we forget about these tornado, with these hurricanes is it's not just the day that it happens. You got six, seven, eight, ten, fifteen days after where they're putting the power grid back together and stuff like that. No you know, I'm a little shocked no that the power grid in Louisiana was basically five extension cords built, burnt, plugged into a burnt-out uh, surge protector, but it seems like that's what it was, and they're scrambling to get everything back together. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, going back to football for just a second, one thing, <clears throat> excuse me, one thing I think we're going to find is that uh, – if Washington is to win it in the in the division, you know they got the Eagles and the Giants uh, the last two games, so they're going to be playing, you know, in their own competition, and they might have to win both of those games in order to win. Could be. Well, and that that's what they want now. On a seventeen game schedule, though, you're only playing six division games, and you're playing eleven. Um, Outside of it, right? Right. It used to be the old adage was you have to win the division games, you have to win the division games, you have to win the division games. The idea that you could go 11-6 and six without winning a game in your division uh, has, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Now, for 
and Don, you brought up the point when you look at who the Eagles' non-divisional opponents are versus the Redskins' non-divisional opponents where the, the, the football team is going to uh, play the likes of the Bills. They've got the Chiefs. They've got the Buccaneers coming in. You know, they've got some real, um, they've got to deal with the Packers, right? They've got to deal with these really – it's like every week they're playing a great quarterback. And right. If – well, their their you know, killer month is going to be the second September. They're not too bad. They get the Falcons, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I look think at this. by the end of October, will you're right. We will absolutely October will be the killer because they play the Chiefs right. You know the right. what first or second of October they play the Chiefs to start right. the month. Then they got the Packers at the Packers. Then they got the Buccaneers, and then they got. I mean, you're right, and, and then they got the Raiders on the road. And then they got the well. The Lions won't be too bad, but I mean, you got you got a lot of road games in there. They do have a number of road games, but again, if I have to go out to Lambeau and I have to go up to Buffalo, I would much rather do it in September, early early to mid October before Halloween, than having to do it in mid in mid to late. November and December. Oh, I, right? I agree 100. I mean, percent We talked about that earlier on the show. I agree 100. percent But I just think the Bills. Uh, I'm a little surprised, Roger. Maybe you and Tommy would disagree, but I'm a little surprised that they're giving the Patriots and Bill Belichick such a high ranking this early oh, in no. the season. I mean, the Bills Captain had a great Happy. season last year. Oh, oh yeah, Captain well, Happy, and, and they were. Well, you know, you know, the other thing is, you know, I talked about uh, Mac Jones. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, the people were talking about him. I still can't believe that he made it to the 10th, uh, in the first round. I mean, this guy, uh, uh, now, and and he falls into Belichick's, uh, lap and boy, I'll tell you, his biggest promoter was Charlie Weiss on his radio show. And, uh, you know, I, it just shows you how things work out. I'm sure that there's other teams that uh, could have taken him and it would have been an uh, improvement over what they have, but they went for uh, what they needed the most, okay? And, uh, oh, the Falcons were a perfect example with Compit. But I just, uh, you know, and now, you know, Cam Newton's gone, you know. He's cut, and it's going to be interesting to see where he winds up uh, as a backup. It's going to be interesting. I'll, I'll go even one step further, Roger. I don't know if Cam is going to wind up. Maybe not. You might no, be right I, there. But he only signed. Uh, uh, did he sign one on. year for a million? No, Mike. Uh, I didn't know if he has signed since he got cut. I didn't know about it. No, no, but, no. I mean, with the no, pass, no, no. He didn't get I signed. Think, he didn't think, get signed anywhere. No, no. Yeah, I think I, the I contract that he had was a million. You know, with the Pats, a one million deal. Yeah, it wasn't. I think it wasn't. A, it wasn't overly expensive. It was like a billion base with a lot of incentives. But right. I don't know exactly. If he's going to get. You know, I don't know if Cam, based on all, because his, you know, he's had a position, a point in his career where the on-field production is not overcome by the off-field stuff, right? You know, what you've got to I think with, the only thing Mike that will save him is if there's some major 
quarterback injuries in the first two, three, maybe even four weeks of the season, and they want to bring somebody in as a backup, I think then he has a shot. But I don't think as long as the quarterbacks stay healthy, I think he's going to have a tough time getting a contract this year. I, 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 and I agree, you, Roger. And think, think about it, Don. Think about it this way, Don. Ron Rivera, who was his coach for a long time and went to a Super Bowl with him, could have picked him up relatively easily, right? And said, right. okay, I'll bring him in. You know, if nothing else, I'm going to roll with uh, Fitzpatrick to start. And, you know, but if he has the meltdown that we think that Fitzpatrick can have, I'll have Cam Newton. Now, I went to a Super Bowl. I coached him through an MD- MVP season. Not once, but twice. Ron Rivera has been mm-hmm. like, thanks, but no thanks. I'm good. Uh, Taylor Heineke, I'm going to roll with the guy from the XFL um, as my second quarterback. I'm fine with that. And I think that tells you a lot about how people who work with Cam Newton feel about Cam Newton. Well, listen, when he was at Auburn, I mean, the, the problem was the father because the father was involved in everything. And, of course, you know, it just went down, rolled downhill, so to speak. But, uh, you know, I thought that with his injury and everything that's happened over the years, but maybe there's more. Listen, if Belichick uh, got rid of him uh, and wouldn't keep him as a backup with a cheap deal, I think that uh, that tells you something. Normally when – Because he when, doesn't wait around. Yeah, when Bill Belichick gets rid of you, that's like a kiss of death in the NFL. Well, they've still got to pay him a guaranteed million bucks. He's not going to starve this year. He's still going to get a million bucks. <laughs> oh, no, he's, he's, de- he's definitely not going to starve. I just think that we have seen probably the last that I anticipate of seeing Cam Newton. You know, uh, we know that for the most part the NFL is a big on second chances. Look at Dwayne Haskins making the roster off of Pittsburgh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the NFL is big on that. If you have enough talent, oh, look look at the Kansas City, Mike. Look at Andy Reid. You know he's done it over and over and over again. Yeah, it, but normally the, the uh, you know the Godfather, okay. Michael. You broke my heart. Kiss of death is when Bill Belichick gives you your walking papers. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, we got to wind it up with that one for this week. Look forward yes, to sir. next week as well. We never even got yes, into sir. your homeland of the soccer. <laughs> In the soccer, yeah. soccer you know, front, so we're gonna have to hold that till next week. Hey, Mike, hey, Don, hold on, hold on for a second. I, I went, I went by the soccer stadium for the Philadelphia Union, Mike. That's a beautiful stadium, mm. right on the water. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. across yeah. the bridge, it's beautiful. Uh, I hope Mike, I have upgrades to on it because because it's about, you know, it, it's getting towards closer to 15 years old than it is to anything else. So they probably need to go in and do some renovations. But it's still a great place to watch again. Yeah, it is. Mike, I got to tell you real quick, uh, I wear, uh, working, I wear my Atlanta United cap. Every every week, every time, there's somebody that says, I love your cap. I had a kid say it the other day. One guy said, I bought the same cap as you have. (laughs) So I've worn Phillies caps, Eagles caps, Sixers, Flyers. I've never had. I've, and Falcons and Braves never had a comment, but when it comes to the United, 
you get a comment. That's all I have to say. It shows you soccer. Right. We, we we can talk about it next week, and by next week, I'll know whether or not it's time to whether we can all breathe, or it's time to jump off the proverbial bridge when it comes to the U.S. Men's National Team World Cup qualification. But I'll save that. Okay. That'll be my teaser, we'll talk about that. That's have great. Everybody, you, thank gentlemen, next you week. too. Thank you very very much. And uh, thanks, Mike. So we thank move you. now to the golf run, and what a couple of weeks we had of golf. I really missed uh, yeah. talking to Doug because topic, the uh, pardon. Favorite topics, golf. This is your favorite, best part of the show. You guys could talk golf. Well, I mean, Don, you, you, if you need my phone number, I can give it to you. You can call me anytime you want to. It really gets me that much. <laughs> well, I just That's wanted right. to start off because uh, your <laughs> supposition was, as we talked, that 20 was going to be the number at this course that I'm not really familiar with, and you are. You played it yeah. for the yep. uh, for the BMW tournament, and uh, uh, boy, oh boy. I mean, uh, not everybody, yeah. but a lot of people had red numbers, and the high it, numbers were 28 and 29. Wow. Yeah. That's too yeah, high. I, I knew, well, I mean, the way they had that golf course set up, um, you know, coming from, uh, what, Liberty National to Cape Valley was going to be open season. I mean, it it was great in terms of the weather. Um, the greens were extremely soft. They could certainly fire darts, you know, at pin placements. Um they had several uh, par fours that were drivable. They had a lot of par fives that were reachable. Um, you know, the green, the greens were great. Um, you know, and I think, I think Phil Mickelson in one of the midweek, Phil Mickelson, one of the midweek dinners had said to um, somebody who, um, one of the members, I guess, came to the dinners and said, you know, guys, look, don't, don't be upset if we shoot, you know, mid 20 under because, you know, this is a different style of golf course. This is, it's more open. It's it's going to be more accessible to to fire at these pins. So I really don't think that's um, a situation where uh, you know Cave Valley is less of a golf course so much um, from a scoring standpoint as it is uh, probably a fun golf course for those guys to play because it's a little different than what they're used to. Um, you know, I think that they're. West Coast swings, South swings, or whatever. When they have Bermuda and different styles of grass, I mean, to come to the Mid Atlantic and, uh, and play at Case Valley was, um, you know, just a great opportunity for those guys. And, and I was really happy. I didn't actually go to the tournament. I had uh, far too much stuff to to take care of yeah. here. I, I certainly had I had my offers uh, from a ticket standpoint, but um, to have played Case Valley and and um, several times, many times, and to have, you know, watched it on TV, uh, to see those guys play the same holes that I did was really cool, and to bring that tournament to the Middle Atlantic and, you know, basically at our, at our back doorstep here in Maryland was, was really great. Um, you know, I um, I don't know, it's it's just kind of fun to watch, I guess, uh, to know that you've played that golf course and those, those guys were going to walk the same grounds that you did. Well, one last quick question for me in the regard to the golf there was that, uh, uh, and maybe uh, you're in a better position. I, I followed golf for a long time, as you have, and you're a professional. <laughs> but I've never seen on the tour Cantley put together two consecutive weeks at that level yeah. with that kind of money yeah. on the line and that kind of pressure. Sure. I've never seen it. Even Tiger, I've never seen yeah. two tournaments well, back-to-back where guys played like that. You know what? Gosh, there's, there's there's been so many years. I mean, Tiger Woods was 
um, in his prime week to week, you know, um, the best I've ever seen. Um, not taking anything away from, from Nicholas and some of those other guys, but, you know, in my era, um, when the money was on the line, Tiger Woods was the absolute best that I'll ever see. Um, but to your point, I think I think Patrick Cantlay was um, a great breakout candidate for, you know, this year in terms of what he's done you know, last year um, I, I had um, looked at him in some different pools that I was in um, as, as a candidate to, to win, and I think that, you know, he has a very simple game, a very simple swing. Um, he putted lights out, um, which was probably the difference. Right. Um, you know, but you, you and I both know, and we've talked about this, Don, that, you know, anybody can get hot at any point in time, and that's, you know, I don't think that's specific to just golf. I mean, obviously you look at, uh, baseball where we're going to have the playoffs coming up here or NFL or NCAA basketball where guys are shooting the three-pointers really well or whatever, you know, you, you catch somebody that's hot and all of a sudden, you know, anything can happen. And, and he just played really, really well down the stretch um, enough to win. He won $15 million uh, for winning the, the FedEx Cup and, and his career earnings before that were 14. So, he had a pretty good month, I'd say. And how about how about the second and third? I mean, it wasn't just the mm-hmm. winner in fifteen million. I mean, that that yeah. big money went all the way down to four places. Well, look, Brooke, Brooks Kepka had to withdraw because he hurt himself. And still won four hundred thousand dollars. So I mean, you know, <laughs> gee whiz, that's terrible, isn't it? Well, let me let, the, let me let these guys in. Tommy, you, you're the golfer. Go ahead. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Yes, I'm up here, Doug. How you doing tonight? I'm up here. Thanks for coming on again. Thank you. I'm up here and up up up, up here in Avalon. They need to put the northern greens up here. Mm-hmm. I, I, in, the, in the northern fairways, that's an end, and that's why I got well, a tip on. I'm I'm just gonna guess uh, a lot of the golf courses you play on are kind of old school with, um, you know, undulating greens. You know, a lot right. of right. Right. Slope, slope, and pitch to these greens. So, um, I'm, I'm a big advocate as I as I grew up on a golf course um, in Maryland that um, old old school Poanya, um, you know, lots lots of undulations. You kind of have to know um, when you can try to make a putt or when you can try to just lag a putt. Yeah. Um, not not every like make a make putt a up here. Um, you know, when you talk about you know, some of the old school designers like Donald Ross is one of them where if you play one of his right. golf courses, um, yep. he typically has a lot of undulations and a lot of those greens are tricky with pin placements. Right. Um, and you, you just, it's, it's no different than pulling up to a traffic intersection where you have a green light, a yellow light, and a red light. You have to know the difference. <laughs> I know. You know, the, you yeah, know, know. The, the green, the, well, I mean, look, you're going to hit good shots and you're going to have a green light where you think you can make it. Uh, you're going to hit other shots where you're, where it's a possibility that if you hit the good putt, it could go in, and then you got to go look at the red light where, you know what, I don't want to mess with this. I just want to two-putt and get out of here. So I think yeah. that's a, a great tip is you have to know the difference. Um, you know, and, and we've talked about this, um, you know, on the show where you, you see different amateur golfers that, that hit their right. fair, they hit their tee balls, they get into the fairway, and they aim right. for pins. And that's mm-hmm. just not always the right thing to do. I mean, no, you it's, for the it's, front it's, part it's, of the green, probably. Well, it's okay to be in the middle of the green. It's okay to be yeah. on the fat part of the green where, yeah. 
like I said, no. if you, that's a yellow light. If you, if you have a scenario yeah, where you can so. make the putt or get it close, good for you. If not, two putt, get yeah. out of there and move on. Um, but if you yeah. start aiming for flag sticks, uh, by oh, and large, bad. you're going to find your scores, you know, being a problem. So that well, would be my Roger, I played, yeah, well, Go ahead, Tommy. You know, Doug. Go, yeah, go ahead, Tommy. Like this, I, I played uh, Hernando Oaks down there in, in, the, in Tampa the other on Sunday, and I was sitting everything fairly good. A couple of good shots, four holes. I had a 41 down. I had some good shots down there. Nice. So then I you know, worry about coming up here and <laughs> not used to the greens and fairways and everything hmm. else up there. So so, so it's, it's going to be a golf tip of the week, I think. Well, how can I make you know, improvement in my game or just play my game between I'm in Florida right there. Well, I mean, Tommy, you've been playing golf for a long time. So, I mean, the, the, right. the chances of you, you know, striking the golf ball are going to be uh, within the median. So, you know, when you play a course where you're unfamiliar, a couple of things are true. Number one, uh, right. yes, you hit golf balls and you get loose, but more importantly, you have to spend some time on the putting green to understand what the speeds are like, what right. the undulations are like. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And Mm-hmm. Last I checked, you know, 150 yards in Pennsylvania is the same thing as 150 yards in Maryland. It's the same thing as 150 right. yards in any other state you play in. So right. if you do the math, if you do the math on a lot of these holes, right, you know, you can have comfortable shots into these greens, right? Exactly. Um, you know, be, because you've because you've hit the right shots. Uh, so when right. you're unfamiliar, exactly. that's, that's, you have to mm-hmm. you have to go back to math. Right. Well, that's what I was thinking, Doug. Because I figure, you know. Yeah, I played, I played good down and hit a couple of good irons and that, and a lot of good swings that way and that. So I figured mm-hmm. come up here, have my buddy who I'm staying at, responsive to the show. You're going to have you're gonna play Seaview, Tommy? You're going to play at Seaview no, I, I, I since think, you're there? I, Roger, I don't know. I think it's going to be probably one of his courses up here. I mean, up in Devon? the Westchester area, I think. No, I don't know. He's, well, he's had to... I'll, t- I'll tell you, I was impressed uh, finding out a lot, which I didn't know, about Eastlake over the weekend and Ooh, okay. uh, how that foundation has really uh, turned that community around and what a beautiful mm-hmm. course it is. And, right. uh, you know, we were talking about the BMW, I know, was the uh, sponsor. But I'll tell you, Doug, the a course that I see now on a regular basis, and I'm not a golfer, is legacy at Lanier Island. And I got to tell you, I would love to see a tournament there, and I I would pay to go to see that because you've got so much water, you have to drive the ball over to get on the greens. Right. (laughs) I don't know whether you, you, when you were down here, I don't know whether you ever went over there to see it. But, it, I mean, it's gorgeous. And, uh, you know, I've talked to people that live in Tampa that live on golf courses, and they have said their their courses can't compare to Legacy at Lanier. And I just, I just am amazed to see some of these drives. And you've got to lay into it. You've got to hit it or it's going to go right into the water, uh, not on every hole, but a lot of holes. A lot of holes, right? Roger, I never saw as many balls going in the water as I saw this last weekend. I mean, man, oh man, oh man, they were they were just we'll they were out. swimming. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll fish them out, Don. I'll, I'll tell you, Don. I had a golfer on the uh, tram, and we're going going by. I forget which hole it is, 
and it's an open invitation for a guy to shank it, and it's going to hit the ground. And he said to me, how many times have you been hit? I said, not one yet, you know, and I hope I never do. <laughs> oh, right. hey, Roger. Roger, remember Rowan Green had the Rowan Green Day guys this a long time ago, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So yes, a friend of mine said, big, big affair, yeah. big affair. Yeah. A friend of mine was caddying out there, right? There's a funny story. He says, he says, oh, caddy, where's my ball? If you give me a shovel, I'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, the closest we ever, I ever came, and this was as a kid, we were coming back from, uh, my dad was in Valley Forge General Hospital, and we're coming uh-huh. down 23 in King of Prussia. I don't know what course <laughs> yep. that is, but you, you guys do. And the ball, it, we were, my mom had a 48 Pontiac. That ball hit the side of the car. <laughs> I mean, and, and if that was a little bit higher, that would have hit me. Okay? Oh, <laughs> well, hey, Roger, you, scary, you would know a lot better than I did, but I was talking to a number of people. That maybe you can, maybe you can clarify or not clarify. But uh, majority of that that country club is owned by Sinclair Broadcasting, right? Right. And mm-hmm. part of Sinclair Broadcasting is a group of seventy, sixty-five or seventy Toyota dealers. So they have Sinclair Broadcasting, which is a big owner of, the, of that particular course. With Toyota as one of the biggest uh, uh, shareholders in it, and BMW at the tournament, they're running for the. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> well, listen, Don, uh, I can tell you, you got a lot of uh, questions. Let me tell you, all you got to do is watch the Braves games, and you see the Comcast building in center field. And who does the games? It used to be Fox Sports. Now it's Bally Sports, as I told right. you, you know, the casino people. So, you know, when it was Fox, here they're on Fox. However, in center field, you see the Comcast sign. So it's all a matter, it's all a matter of who's got the bucks, who's spending the money. But you know, Doug, before we get too late into the Doug, program, we got to have at least a comment or two about the Ravens because Harbaugh, uh, surprisingly, uh, he's picked right at the top, but not necessarily the team that's going to win it. Uh, I'm thinking the Browns to take the Ravens out this year for, Ooh, to, uh, I hope they to do, take the uh, AFC North uh, championship. Uh, so, what your thoughts there? I hope well, they do because I was on Cleveland last week in, in the fans. You know, guys, the fans up in Cleveland are excited for the Browns. Baker Mayfield, they're excited about well, the Browns Well, especially big for Mayfield, Tommy, because this is contract year. He, he had a great oh, year yeah. last oh, year. Yeah. He had all those commercials sure. he did. Everything went his way last right. year. And he right. needs Cleveland to do well this year because this is contract year. But go well, ahead, Doug, what, what do you think? I'm sorry. Yeah, so, I mean, Frank could give us a good idea of how many listeners we're talking about tonight. So let's just guess there's 250,000 listeners. Wow. They, they, they've heard me say this before. I hate the Steelers more than anything you can imagine. Pittsburgh <laughs> sucks. Mm-hmm. Well, Pittsburgh sucks. sucks. But, but, you know, you Tommy, said I didn't I, say I, it. Listen, I, I've been on the show for many years now. I love you, Tommy. But no. Cleveland is the mistake by the late. Um, <laughs> I know the river caught on fire. I know the thing. I just went up there I mean, last weekend. See the Indians. I know. 
they're they're trending upwards. I think that Cleveland is a good football team. But you know, listen, I've I've been in Maryland all my life. I love Ravens. Right. Um, that's the old you know, Browns, Doug. You know that. <laughs> well, you know what? We, yes, we got is. screwed when the Colts. We got screwed when the Colts left here. Right. So I, I mean, uh, exactly. You know, everybody has their version of crying cow. So I, I I've adopted the Ravens. Right. I love them. Harbaugh's a great football right. coach. He's been there a long time. Yeah. Uh, right. We have a lot of exciting players. He's been bitten by the injury bug. J.K. Dobbins hurts. Um, mm-hmm. I like Gus Edwards. I think he's going to do well. Right. Um, they signed Le'Veon Bell to their practice squad, so I right. mean they're struggling a little bit, you know, in that running back position. But they're going to figure it out. The Ravens play good, solid football, um, you know. And, and when they play those divisional rivalries with Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Right. Um, those, those those are great football games, and anybody mm-hmm. can win those football games. They really, I mean, Baker right. Mayfield um, has a couple years under his belt. I mean, I, I think the mm-hmm. Browns are a great football team. They really are. Right. Um, and, and and Pittsburgh um, with a with a healthy Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger and well, I mean, they're a good football team. You can't, their defense is um, probably well. Cleveland's got to keep their keep their football. players healthy. They have a tough time doing yeah, that. Exactly. Listen, yes, he does. Listen, and and, I, and their I, coach I, is a Philadelphia guy, Roger. So we will. We want we want to see oh, him yeah. do well. Well, Kevin, I, I'm exactly. gonna, I was actually going to contact. Exactly. Um, I was going to talk to Tommy about this, but we we um, it's still ongoing uh, in terms of my fantasy football league here. But I, I drafted Odell Beckham as my second wide receiver Uh-oh. because I think that Uh-oh. he's. Well, listen. I mean, he he got hurt last year. Um, I think he spent an awful lot of time on his body, realizing that. Um, you know, he he's not the superstar that he used to be, but I think he got bigger, faster, stronger in this offseason. I'm looking for good things from Odell Beckham Jr. Um, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are, are a fabulous one-two punch at the running back position. Um, their defense, I think, is is um, a lot better than it used to be. So the Browns are a very good football team. Um, you know, as I said, Pittsburgh uh, drafting Najee Harris um, to be the running back and, and having some good wide receiver options. Um, their defense is spectacular, so the, the, that that division is very contested. Um, the Ravens yeah, they got a quarterback them. that's they got a quarterback that's working on his last legs. Well, you know, Ben Ben Roethlisberger is going to find a way to get it done. He's just a right. consummate professional who mm-hmm. is just a tough guy. Even at his age, he, you know, he's going to find a way to get this done. Um, now the over under is eight five, Doug. Eight five is the over under. On their wins, I go. Is he going to get injured or what? If you're talking eight five on wins, I think Steelers go over that. Doug, I'm not not arguing. I'm just throwing the number out there. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, the, I, Pittsburgh is just a fabulous tradition. I think uh, Coach, hey guys, Coach Tom guys, is – Doug, Doug, Doug. Hang on. Yep. Frank says we're going to get the clock. Hey, I just before we go, I just have to send out congratulations to Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs because that, Uh even though it was a low-scoring game, that was a great game to watch. And uh, how about those dogs? So have a great week. God bless everybody. Well, I'll tell you, can't tell you going to win from that Notre Dame game on Sunday. That was an outstanding game. That was well Mm -hmm. too. Before we leave, fellas, Philly three, uh, Brewers three. Uh, and we'll see what happens from here on out for the rest of the night. Take care. Don, thank you. Thank Have you a so great Everybody knows it's 267,742 for the night. Wow.
Wow. Thank you, Frank, for everything. So, all right, guys. Thanks for everything. So, I'll talk to you guys all next week. Frank, take it away, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every day that we can grateful appreciate you. The men women in the United States Armed Forces and the men women police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please, please let them know that you know they're there. It's very important in these tough times. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.